Let's open our Bibles today to the book of Hebrews. If you didn't bring your Bible this morning, I think it's on page 804 in the red Bible there in the pew in front of you. We've been away for a few weeks, at least out of the pulpit here. Last week we had the International Kids Choir. The week before, I understand Jim Watts entertained you, and you enjoyed it greatly. I'd like to talk to you this morning about our future destiny. Whenever you come to the book of Hebrews, uh, we always have to remember that, uh, that these people were really struggling in their faith. And that's why I think whenever you read the book of Hebrews, you can identify it with so closely. Uh, the writer here is trying to get them back on track again, uh, trying to uh, guide them uh, back to Jesus. They were questioning whether they had made the right decision by receiving Jesus as their Savior. It, it all seemed so easy for them in the beginning, you know, to sign up with Christ, sign on the dotted line. But as we saw a few weeks ago in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, there was great persecution upon these people for making this decision to follow Christ. Uh, so much so that they even lost their goods. The people were pilfering their houses. They're taking their possessions away. And uh, they were losing their jobs. And they, were, uh, they, were, they had paid the dearest price. And they were thinking about turning back. And so with that in mind, we read Hebrews chapter 2 verse 5 for he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels but one testified in a certain place saying what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you would take care of him you have made him a little lower than the angels you have crowned him with glory and honor you set him over the works of your hands and have put all things in subjection under his feet for in that he put all in a Subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him, but now we do not yet see all these things put under him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for every man. Uh, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. It, he doesn't say. But we do know that. Uh, it was placed in the Bible and considered to be what we called an inspired book. We have these verses that teach us about those things. Second Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration from God. The word inspiration in the original language means God breathed. Uh, uh, all scripture is God breathed out by God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man or the woman of God may be perfect, complete, thoroughly equipped unto all good works. And so even though we don't know who wrote this, we know that the Holy Spirit is the author of this book. And that's why when we read the Bible, these words really resonate with us. Because the Holy Spirit who lives in our heart is the best teacher of the book because he wrote it. And so here he's encouraging these people. Um, last evening after the service, uh, our Saturday night service, I went home and I read the book of Hebrews. It's only 13 chapters. I thought I could do that quickly, and I did. And um, there's a little word that keeps jumping out in the book of Hebrews, and it's the word better. 
It's used 12 times. And uh, the whole thesis of the book of Hebrews is that the writer was trying to tell these people, listen, don't turn back, don't turn away from Christ. What you have in him is better than anything else you ever had before. Jesus is better than anything. And the first thing that they were trying to talk about was the fact that Jesus was better than angels. That's why we have so much in the first chapter about angels. Uh, The last verse in the first chapter says angels are just ministering spirits sent forth to minister for you and for me, the heirs of salvation. Uh, He says, first of all, angels, Jesus is better than angels. Uh, And then another thing that we talked about earlier is the fact that he warned these people not to neglect their salvation. You know, the Bible says that our salvation is really great, and it really is, you know, because God saved us from the penalty of our sin. That's big. God saved us from the power of sin over us. And one of these days, he's going to ultimately deliver us from the presence of sin, and won't that be a good day? Uh, You know, it hurts our heart when we see all sorts of things going on in the world around us that hurts people because of sin. One of these days, we won't have to look on that. One of these days, we'll be in heaven with the Lord. And so he says, listen, don't neglect your salvation. That's why we're recruiting prayers, because, you know, it's going to be easy for you this summer to neglect your salvation. There's a, middle, there's an, a number of things you could do rather than come to church, isn't there? There's a number of things you can do rather than open your Bible at home and read and say, Lord, this time belongs to you. Because you have a million things you want to do this summer. In the winter, it's, it's easier to do those things. You can't go outside, you'll freeze. Uh, you, can't, you can't have any sports. Everything is frozen out. And so you think, I guess I've got nothing else to do. I guess I'll read the Bible. But in the summer, it's not like that. And so he's telling these people, don't neglect your salvation. And then, he, and then what he does here is he focuses their attention on the future. And, you know, Christianity has always been about not only the present, but the future. Because remember when Jesus was getting ready to go away, he got his disciples together and he said, Listen, you believe in God, believe also in me, for in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And, where, and when I prepare this place, I'm going to come and I'm going to bring you there to be with me forever. And so what he did is he took, he took their eyes off their circumstances and put them on heaven, their future. And so the writer here is talking about the future. Look at verse 5. For he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels. Here he's back on the subject of angels again. He says, listen, I want to tell you another thing about angels. Jesus is a whole lot better than angels, and angels will not rule in the world to come. Now, the world to come is a very interesting... The word world there means inhabited earth. And what we believe that means is the millennial reign of Christ on earth. If you go to Revelation chapter 20, you're going to find this term over and over again. A thousand years, a thousand years, a thousand years... There is a period in the Bible of a thousand years in the future that Jesus is going to come and rule and reign on the earth. And that's what he's talking about right here. Uh, He's coming uh, to Jerusalem. Washington, D.C. will no longer be 
one of the main headquarters on earth for leaders. Moscow, Russia won't either. Uh, Jerusalem will be the city of God. And Jesus will rule and reign there, the Bible says, with a rod of iron. And so he's talking about the new world order here. And he's saying to these people, the administration of the world to come will not belong to angels. Who pulls the strings in the world to come? Uh, He points to the future, these people. Uh, I want to give you a little snippet here this morning of the world to come. It's different than the world that we live in right now. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Isaiah chapter 11. We have this verse on the screen. Don't we have it on the screen, Uh, Ken? (laughs) Excuse me. Isaiah chapter 11. We're going to read this. uh, We're going to read this together. Okay, let's read. I think we have three pages here. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat. And the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. Now, let's stop there and please go back to the... uh, This can't happen right now. Do you know that? The wolf can't take a nap with the lamb because the lamb is going to cease to be, right? Lunch. Uh, The leopard's not going to lie down with a young goat because the goat will be gone. And a little child can't lead in that particular story. Let's go to the next page, please. Let's read. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. No mother would let her kid go over and play with the cobra. One other page. And they shall not hurt nor destroy in my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Just think of that. The earth is going to be full of the knowledge of the Lord in this new world order. And so that should not only be an encouragement for them, but it should be an encouragement for us because... You know, people really don't know very much today about the things of God, do they? America at one time was the center of biblical information. And we sent missionaries all over this world giving them information about Jesus. But it's becoming harder and harder in our country to find people who know about the knowledge of God, let alone alone go with the knowledge of God. One of these days in the future, that's not going to be so. Uh, The future will not be ruled by angels. Uh, Why did he say that? Well, he said that because these people had an insight that their world was administrated by angels. And they just thought that that administration would continue on. These angels would be administrating. You know, who pulls the strings in our present world? You, You know, we look around it. And we follow all the politics in all these lands, in England, France, Israel, Iran, North Korea, Russia. And, uh, and we're all rooting for the best one of the persons that's running for office. 
And most of the time, we're pretty discouraged at the results. And we wonder, boy, these people running these, these countries, what's going to happen to our world? Uh, but you know, when you know the Bible, you realize that these people running these countries are subservient, really, to higher forces at work in the world. And those higher forces that are, that are administrating our world are angels. Believe it or not, they are angels. Now, the bad news is this, that the, one of the chief administrators of the, of the world is none other than the devil himself. The devil. Now, we don't like to give the devil a lot of press in the church because he gets too much already in the world, doesn't he? Uh, but just for this morning, I'd like to share with you a few thoughts about him. Satan is the chief fallen angel. And he gets blamed for a lot of things because we tell people, the devil made me what? Do it, right? Uh, and rightly so. Uh, but uh, he is one of the chief administrators in the systems of the world. We're going to give you a few scriptures this morning. Ephesians 2.2. 2. We're going to read this one together. Let's read, please. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Now, this is talking about a Christian right here. A Christian at one time in their life walked according to the course of this world. That means that they were plugged into the world system. That they were just headed where everybody else in the world was headed to get all they can and to can all that they could get. He says, listen, you once walked like that according to the prince of the power of the air. Who is behind this world system? The prince of the power of the air. And who is he? He's the devil. The devil is the chief administrator in our world. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. We ask ourselves, why could people so be so wicked in our world? Why could they be so ruthless? Why could they do these things? Because the spirit of the devil works in their hearts. The sons of disobedience. That, that's not talking about a Christian. That's talking about those who are following and going in the wrong direction. And so this verse tells us an awful lot. Satan is the prince of the power of the air, the invisible world. Uh, here's another good scripture that you need to have. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Let's read this together. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the glorious, the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine on them. Okay. The Bible says our minds have been blinded by the God of this age. Not God with a capital G, but God with a little g. Who is the God of the world? He's the devil. The God of this age has blinded the minds of people lest they believe. You've talked to people about the Lord and it's like you're talking to a wall. And the Bible says here that God has blinded their minds lest they hear the gospel and believe the gospel. And so the Bible says here, he is the God of this age. Now, I have some other verses for you. You might want to write these down. Jesus said in John twelve thirty one, and in John fourteen thirty, 
and in John 16:11 that Satan is the ruler of this world. Now, now let that sink in. The ruler of this world. That's the words of Jesus in red letters in my Bible. He rules in this world. You might say, boy, that explains a lot. That really explains a lot. He's pulling the strings. People are listening to him. Those people who have no defense system, those people who don't have Christ in their heart, are pawns to the devil. He pushes them around. He says, go do this, and they do that. Well, Satan talks to us, too, and he tells me to go do this and to do that, and I have a decision to make. Am I going to go in his direction, or... Am I going to rely upon the Lord? I have the resource of the Lord. Amen? And I don't have to go in his direction. But most people don't have that. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19 says this, We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. We look out at the, out at the landscape of the world and we say, Man, it is so bad. Well, listen. The Bible's been saying this for an awful long time, before we ever dreamed it up. Uh, How did this happen? How did he become the ruler of this world? You have to go all the way back to the book of Genesis. He wrestled away the scepter of dominion from Adam and Eve. Uh, He is in charge. God created the world for Adam and Eve to be in charge. Now Satan is. And the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, you're aware of this scripture, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, is walking about, seeking whom he may devour. He's seeking you, he's seeking me uh, to devour us. He really is. Now, not only is Satan uh, the ruler of this world, according to the words of Jesus, but he has a, a, a network. And the network is made up of demons and fallen angels. Uh, let me give you a scripture on that, Ephesians 6.12. Let's read this together, please. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, in heavenly places. This is talking about demonic activity right here. As God dispatches his good angels into the world to minister to you and to me, uh, the heirs of salvation, Satan dispatches his evil angels in this world to do his bidding, to do what he wants. And so, lest you be completely depressed this morning after this, You're saying, is there any hope if Satan is the ruler of this world system? Only as God allows him to be ruler of this world system for a temporary time. Uh, Let me say this, that good angels also play a role in the administration of the world also. And you're going, oh, thank God for that. Good angels When you go home today, I want you to read Daniel Daniel chapter 10. In Daniel chapter 10, it talks about the tremendous conflict between Satan's demons and God's good angels. Daniel was praying to the Lord, and, uh, and God heard his prayer and sent the answer right away via an angel. I believe that God answers many of our prayers by angelic messengers. When you pray to the Lord, Lord, that this may happen... I think God says, okay, 
Gabriel or Michael, whoever you are, go and take care go and take care of this for Bill or John or Mary. Well, Daniel was doing that and he was praying, but he wasn't getting any answer. But he kept praying and kept praying, and after a period of time, the answer showed up and the answer said, Listen, I had trouble getting here. Because the Prince of Persia stopped me from coming. Stopped God's good angels from coming with the answer. Now, Persia is Iran. And we look over there today and we say, my goodness, is there any more evil spot on the face of the earth than that? Well, I'll tell you what, there's been a whole lot of evil over there for a whole lot of time. Because in Daniel chapter, t- chapter 10, it talks about the prince of Persia. And uh, then finally, God sent Michael, the chief angel, uh, and he dispatched him to win the battle so that the answer would come through. And so in the invisible world, and I don't want to spook you out today, in the invisible world, there is this tremendous struggle going on. And we look at leaders and we say, he's the problem or she's the problem, and this leader in this country is the problem. But there is a higher force than those people at work in the world today. Uh, And they are God's good angels and Satan's demon, fallen angels. Uh, They're administrating our world today. Of course, under under the general superintendency of God Almighty on the throne for a period of time. Uh, and so this is why he's saying to these people, it's not always going to be like this. Angels are not always going to be having this struggle like this. Uh, one of these days, he says, man is going to be back in charge, the dominion of the earth, the way God designed it in the first place. Now that leads us to verse number six. Let's look at it. But one testified in a certain place, saying, What is man that you're mindful of him, or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor. You set him over the works of your hands, and you have put all things in subjection under his feet. That's an interesting passage. It's an Old Testament passage. What is man? The writer is saying here, why would God even think of us? Man is lower than the angels, temporarily. Uh, One day will be above them and even judge them, according to 1 Corinthians 6, 2, and 3. What is man? You know, when you look at the universe, they keep telling us that the universe, you know, to us is getting bigger and bigger all the time. We send these telescopes out into the universe and they say, hey, listen, we found some more stuff out here. Now, that's way beyond me. If you want to know about that, talk to Ira. He'll explain it to the detail to you. I went out to eat with him one time. Man, he explained the uh, the universe like I've never heard it before. And I just looked halfway intelligent and said, exactly, Ira. That's exactly what I believe is what you say about the universe. He can explain it. But the universe is getting bigger because we're knowing more about it. And our Earth, the little planet on which we live is getting smaller. It's just a dot in the universe. And if our little planet is just a dot in the universe, just think what you are. Uh, You are a very small dot. And so the writer here says, why does God even consider us? Why would he even take time to think about us? Well, I think commentators tell me as I read about it that that this writer here has in mind Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And if you'll turn over there quickly with me. Genesis chapter 1. First book of the Bible, verse 26. 
This is why God has us on his mind. Because he created us. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let us have, let them have, you see the word, next word? Dominion. Wow. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. Fishermen love this. This time of the year, people are going on vacation catching all these fish that got away. Have dominion, dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and every other creeping thing on, creeps on the earth. Man was to have dominion, rulership of the earth. That's the way God made him. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then look at verse 28. Then God blessed them. Wow. The blessing of God. Don't we crave the blessing of God? I do. I want to be blessed by God. Uh, the blessing of God, you know, you can be blessed by the world. Their blessing don't last very long. They'll take it back as soon as they give it to you. Um, just the time you think you have it in your pocket, they'll take it out of your pocket. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. He says, listen, you've got to go have some kids. Have some children. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea. You're in charge. When you go fishing, you're in charge. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, etc., etc. Uh, this is why man is on God's, God's mind. God made us for a higher purpose. God made us to administrate his earth. But Satan came along and threw a wrench in the whole process and tricked uh, man into following him and man fell into sin. And sin always short circuits God's plan. Sin always puts a wedge between man and God. And today, man is not in charge of the earth. The earth is in charge of man. When he goes out and he plants some seeds in the ground, he doesn't know if it's going to yield or not. If he goes and builds a house, he doesn't know if nature is going to tear it down. Man is not over the earth. The earth is over man today. But that's not the way it's going to be in the future. Man is going to ascend to his original position of dominion on the earth, of course, under God. Uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 21 Let's read this. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Uh, God is going to once again raise up man to his original position. Those who are following him, and, and they're going to be able to rule with him on the earth whenever Jesus comes back and sets up his millennial reign. When Adam sinned, mankind lost his crown, his superiority, his dominion over the earth. But one of these days, that's going to be changed. God did begin the new world order already when he ascended into heaven. You know the story. Philippians chapter 2 verse 8 says this. And being found as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name, highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, 
At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things on the earth and things under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is what? Lord, to the glory of God. Yes, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he inaugurated, he started his new world order. But the Bible says here in Hebrews chapter 2 that uh, he hasn't consummated, it hasn't come to full fruition as yet. That's yet to be seen in the future. And so what is he telling? He's telling these Hebrew people, listen, I know that your situation has you down. I know that you're discouraged and you're depressed. But lift up your eyes. Better days are coming for you. Better days are coming in the future for you. And, you know, God's people have always had to look to the future. They really have. Just go back through history. How many people who have followed Jesus have been persecuted and killed for their faith in Christ? I'll tell you, in some cultures, it's dangerous to be a Christian. It really is. It's dangerous to follow Jesus. And even in a culture like ours that is semi-Christian, the Bible is strong when it says, they who are desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Well... When Jesus came to earth to pay the penalty for man's sin, a sin was the cause that man lost his dominion in the first place. And so when Jesus dealt with the sin problem, then man could be released and eventually he could become the person that God created him to be. Well, the clock is ticking. And uh, I I think that you get discouraged sometimes as a Christian. Uh, Sometimes people are overlooked in their promotion because of their conviction. Sometimes when somebody says something that even sounds traditional, like traditional marriage, they're looked down upon as being narrow and bigoted and there's a lot of persecution against them. There really is. The lines are really being drawn in our country right now. Do you know that? One of our good ladies came into the service on Wednesday evening and uh, I looked at her and I I never saw her face so troubled as she was. And she came to me, she came right up to me and she said, Pastor, what's happening to our country? I knew what she was talking about. I've had a number of people in our church do the same thing to me. Pastor, what's happening to our country? She's afraid. She's scared. Uh, She's disappointed. She's brokenhearted. I said, listen, we can pray for our country. Uh, We can ask the Lord to help us because he's the only helper. Uh, He can give us grace and strength to live in every situation. Can I have an amen? Now, we wish wish that the the situation was, was our situation, but these people to whom this was written to, they didn't have a good situation. In fact, their situation was a lot worse than ours. And so the writer here is saying, listen, listen, I want you to lift up your heads because you're not so far from eternity. And you see the world the way it is right now and you're not happy with it. Let me tell you the way the world is going to be in the future. I'm going to put those who follow me back in charge of the world. They're going to have dominion over it in the days to come. Uh, and with this, I close. I love Romans 8.18. It says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Paul said that in Romans. 
He said, you've got all these bad situations going on, all these disappointments, all these heartbreaks. Listen, they're not even worthy to be compared with the glory that you're going to experience in the new world. You know, I think it's normal for us to be disappointed, to be heartbroken. That's just the way we're made. But Paul says, listen, it's not even worthy for you to compare that with what I have in store for you in the future. The believer has a great future. God has it all planned out. We just have to wait on God to unfold his plan before us by faith. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed this morning in prayer, uh, I want to encourage you today, don't be discouraged. Don't be so discouraged that you become immobilized and depressed over the condition of our world or the condition of our country. I want you to lift up your eyes and I want you to realize that In not too many years, every single person in this room will be in eternity. We will be in the future that God has described for us in the Bible. Uh, That's the future that God has in store for those who follow him. And so when you begin to feel sorry for yourself, uh, get off of that for a while. Because it's not worthy to be compared to what God has in store for you for the future. Lift up your eyes. Keep your eyes on Christ. If you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, I I want to urge you to do that because your future is bleak without Christ. It really is. Your best days are now if you don't have Christ as your Savior. Your best days are now. But if you're a believer, I'll tell you what, your best days are yet to come. And so I urge you to come to Christ. That's why he came into the world to die for your sins. To invite you to come to him. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word today. Uh, We pray that as we leave the church that we will lift up our eyes. And we'll look forward to your, your great future in our life. And now Lord, as we have the invitation, I pray that you'll give us freedom and liberty in our church. If there are some people in our church that would like to come and pray at the altar if there are others who want to come and join the church or present themselves for membership and baptism I pray that they will come forward today Lord just move in our midst in Jesus name we pray Amen Let's stand together as we sing to the Lord If you'd like to come or or make a decision for Christ today you just step out right now and come as we sing together